Ready, set, go! Welcome into Checkpoint XP Esports and Gaming Radio. A complete look at all things esports and gaming. A production of Beasley Esports XP. Call of Duty League has officially entered into the world of esports, and esports just in general are back. It's so nice to be able to watch esports again. It's so nice to have news again. Right, yeah, <laughs> things to talk about. Welcome into Checkpoint XP, your home for esports and and gaming coming up today on Checkpoint XP. We're going to sit down and find out about Gamers.Vote. Plus, Watch Dogs 3 had a really interesting digital interview. Also, Universal and Nintendo are going to be opening a new theme park here in the U.S. Ooh. And we got to talk about it. And another video game company is getting in on that tourism action. Those conversations all ahead here today on Checkpoint XP. We start today talking about the Call of Duty League. The uh, league has officially kicked off in Minneapolis with a big three-day tournament. And, uh, boy, there was some interesting action going on at the, uh, what was the, the Draft House? Was that the name of the uh, the, the venue that it was at? Um, I missed that, unfortunately. I tuned in personally myself for the action and, and, and to see, especially when you keep in mind that the Overwatch League was supposed to sort of be, you know, the, the, the sort of testing for what, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they use that same model for now what we're looking at for all call of duty league and i don't know i think they might have dropped the ball a little bit here's how it feels first of all the i think the matches themselves in call of duty league were pretty great i think oh there's nothing wrong with the banter i think the banter in the actual quote-unquote field of play was actually pretty good and i thought there was drama between the teams there was stuff that was very natural the chicago huntsmen were overperforming they stood up throwing headsets down it was great the moment that sold me because when i first tuned in and started watching i kind of felt honestly the same way that i do about watching basketball or football like nothing wrong with it but i can put it on in the background but i'm mm-hmm. not really into it but when the florida mutineers were playing against the seattle surge and made that comeback i suddenly found myself like without even realizing that it had happened completely engrossed in what was happening in the match now not being a call of duty fan myself yeah and, and i think that's a testament to the fact that enough gamers and enough people just in pop culture context for Call of Duty. Like, enough people have played Call of Duty to understand what's happening on screen. Sure. And so I think it's a lot easier for somebody who's a layman to just get into it, see it, and know what's Mm -hmm. going on. Um, I will say, though, uh, Robbie, to your point, that the venue... And the way it was set up made it seem like the energy in the room was significantly lower than probably what it really was. By the way, just a quick correction. The uh, venue is called the Armory yes. in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, a great venue that's been there for uh, a long time. And yeah, I'm not sure that it, visually yeah. it, it played well to uh, the folks at home because there were a lot of shots, especially on Friday. Uh, where the venue was looking mighty oh, not sparse. Good. Not good. Uh, I do think that the online response, 
you know, the viewer response was was pretty sizable, especially, and we're going to actually talk a little bit more about this a little bit later on in the show, especially because just preceding this event, Blizzard comes out and announces that they're doing an exclusive deal with YouTube as opposed to Twitch. So I think, like, a lot of people having to refocus to YouTube may have kind of stunted the numbers in the first week. Which I believe that they actually peaked just over 100,000 viewers, by the Which way. Which is great. Not bad. Which is great. Not bad. No, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm it's not, not bad at all. And, and at the same time, no, I still think that the esports experience, especially when we're talking about uh, a, an event that's not an online, we're talking about a, a LAN in-person event, um, crowd reaction, crowd energy, crowd noise is vital. And I think translating it to a, a presentation and on the screen by not having that. I do think that there was a lot lost in the presentation. I, I did hear a few chants going on in the crowd a few times there. So, oh, so yeah. I think that there's life here for the league uh, but I, I think that they only have up to go at this point. I, I have agree. faith in it. I, I agree. There's I agree. A, there's a lot to prove here, I think. And uh, I think they had a great opening weekend. Like to see a little bit more. In fact, there was actually some drama that went on in this opening weekend. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but now it's time for the close shave of the week. Stay close to the heat. Close shave. Turn up. on Checkpoint XP. Our close shave of the week this week takes us to Summoner's Rift as the LCS returned over the weekend. Cloud9 sparred off with uh, Golden Guardians, and after the Guardians got off to an early lead, they had a chance to secure another kill on Licorice and really put Cloud9 in a hole. Well, but now a potential repeat gank to Licorice. More knockup burns the ult. And it's still going to be a whole bunch of damage. Heals up. Hawks is at 5 HP. Close needs to land the Q. Senna gives them the shield. Will they regain? Can they come in? They actually pull back and Licorice weathers the 1v2. And now Zven is here. Blabber's here. The flash follow. The kick. The red smites the damage. And how does Haunter get out? Yeah, the outcome mindset not going to be enough. He's on a ward. Zen grabs the kill. And- oh, man, you can check out that clip as well as all of our clips over at CheckpointXP.com. Checkpoint XP, eSports and gaming radio. Speaking of the LCS, LCS action got underway this week. Uh, and you know what? We got to break it down. So joining us to break that down... Boom! Producer Joe! Oh my god! Why is he coming to the studio with a chair? <laughs> I need that whenever I walk into a room, not just on the show. That's great. You don't need to bring your own chair to this show, Joe. We have one that we keep here in the studio for you. Yeah, but it's not a folding chair. No, you're right. I'm a little bit intimidated. Anyway, uh, LCS action is back on the board, and uh, boy, we got off to some interesting starts this weekend. <laughs> interesting to say Yeah, these. interesting for I, sure. I feel like Riot forgot to send out the script. I feel like, you know, the, the, the word didn't get around on just who's supposed to be good and who's supposed to be bad in the league. Nothing makes any sense after week one. There's a lot of teams that are one and one. There's a lot of teams that are two and oh that shouldn't be two and oh. There's a lot of chaos going on. North, what do you think? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that it shouldn't be going on. You got a team, you know, at the top of the leaderboard right now in Cloud9 that absolutely belongs up there. Sven, uh, their big pickup in the offseason is absolutely great, and so he was going to make them better. Everybody was worried that 
that by Sneaky not being included in bot lane in this team this season that they were going to really be missing him, but it seems like they were able to do it without missing a beat. Yeah, absolutely. 2-0 and speaks for itself, and it's not like they were going up against slouch competition. One of those was Team Liquid, who are 1-1. One one. Man, Team Liquid... They, what happened? That's a ginormous asterisk on yeah. that on Team Liquid's loss uh, in the opening their opening game of the season. There's gonna be a ginormous asterisk on the spring <laughs> split for Team Liquid. Seriously. I gotta tell you. So obviously they're still without their head coach and their starting jungler. Uh, Broxa was their big signing in the off season. He cannot get into the country because of visa issues. Their head coach cannot get into the country because of visa issues. They're starting a, a jungler who they thought was going to be on their academy team this year. Yeah, I, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, rake uh, Team Liquid over the coals too hard for a loss in the first week. And meanwhile, they were able to completely come back against TSM mm-hmm. in their second match on Monday Night League, which, by the way, I love the concept of Monday Night we, League. We need to talk a little bit about yeah, Monday Night League. Because for sure. they're were a lot of questions that needed to get answered about Monday Night League. When you're trying to adopt a moniker that the NFL has been using for 50 years and has made a heck of a brand out of in that time, you have to do it well. Like, you cannot slouch on this. And I thought Riot knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. Uh, The casters were great. The analyst desk was phenomenal. Uh, I love the the new bumpers for Monday Night League. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little bit of 8-bit in there. Uh, I, I just, I think that it's exactly what I want from a Monday Night esports production and I think you know if you showed that side by side with any major traditional sports production it holds up yeah I think it does and I think the biggest thing is it's more palatable usually during the LCS day or LCS broadcast you're talking about anywhere between four and five matches uh-huh. that's two matches started at 830 or started at eight for pregame well, you've also got the Ended, academy teams yeah you got the academy teams him. but the main event starts at 8 o'clock, ends at 10.30. That is palatable Absolutely. for the East Coast. Excuse me, on the East Coast. Listen, I, I'm, I am not that big of a League of Legends fan. I find MOBAs really hard to, to understand. There's a lot of moving pieces in games like that. But even I can appreciate, you know, two games and then you're out. Like, I feel like that's aimed towards someone like me who has interest in the League, but maybe not at an expert level. I mean, I'll take it a step further than that. I'm a huge League of Legends fan. I love watching League, but you think that on you know Sunday afternoon when I'm coming up on hour five of League, I'm not a little burned out on watching? No, I absolutely am. I think that two-hour block, two matches, they're usually going to be good matches. They're picking some of the highlight stuff to put on Monday nights. That's the best way I've watched esports in ages. I'm sure that there are some restaurant owners or bar owners that listen to this program. Monday Night League, if you're looking to try to court some esports fans in the NFL offseason, Monday Night League may be the best way to be able to do that. It's so well organized and well presented that it's going to look spectacular on all of your TVs. Just something to think about. Like, I think that there's going to be a, a lot of coalescence around Monday Night League. Yeah, and, and as for the, the teams themselves, I know so little after one week of League of Legends. I know less now than I've ever known after a week one. I need to see another week to try and get it like is this a fluke is Dignitas actually going to be better than I thought they are is Logic Gaming going to show any kind of life I don't know yeah well it's going to be an interesting season because of Team Liquid and the the, the shape that they're in uh, hopefully they're going to be able to rebound but listen we want to hear from you what do you think of Monday Night League 
Were you impressed with the opening games of uh, the spring split for LCS? Connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. And when you do, make sure you use the hashtag XP on air so that we know that you're coming from the radio show. Still ahead on Checkpoint XP, we're going to get to know the folks over at Gamers.Vote. They're a great nonpartisan organization encouraging gamers to vote. Plus, Universal and Nintendo are finally going going to be opening a Nintendo theme park here in the United States. We'll have all the details coming up here on Checkpoint XP. But ahead next, we'll check in with Robbie over at the Checkpoint XP News Desk. As interscholastic esports competitions roll out throughout the country, one state is saying no to Fortnite. Esports news is next here on Checkpoint XP. This is Checkpoint XP. Esports and gaming radio. CheckpointXP.com The latest esports news is right here on Checkpoint XP. Welcome back. I want to thank everyone listening on affiliate station Fox Sports, 1350 AM in Riverside, San Bernardino, as well as CBS Sports Radio, 1450 in Reno, Nevada. Still ahead on Checkpoint XP, we're going to get to know the folks over at Gamers.Vote. Plus, Watch Dogs 3 had a really interesting digital interview. They interviewed the creators of the game in the game that they're making. It's mind-blowing, and we're going to break it all down coming up here on Checkpoint XP. But first... Oh, my God! With the Call of Duty League kicking off this past weekend, we saw the beginning of what the CDL would look like. Gary Vaynerchuk, owner of the Minnesota Rocker, commented on why he decided to invest in the CDL esports space, saying, I'm less about the strategy of sponsorships in local markets. Telling the Esports Observer, I'm more into what it actually means to somebody who could be casual or not aware at all in the tribalization of local sports. I think this is a really kind of interesting take and not one that we see a lot from the investment side on esports. You know, we see a lot of like, oh, you know, the data is growing and this seems it's like a it, big thing. It's, yeah, it's inevitable. But it seems like Gary is at least interested in this in a completely different form. Yeah. And I like it because we always talk about the tribalism and we know that that is a very primal, deep energy. Yes. And that's what really motivates people. So I'm happy to see somebody on the investment side acknowledge that. I actually think that he's hitting on something really important psychologically mm-hmm. that is going to drive esports as soon as it becomes it's already driving into the mainstream but when it truly becomes a mainstream phenomenon this is what is going to keep it going for a long time Apex Legends has been teasing a new addition to their roster for Season 4. Jimmy, Forge, McCormick, and his Shatter Gauntlets were all set to go. But in a recent animated short, he's being interviewed in the Apex universe about his addition to the Battle Royale. When the lights flicker out, a mysterious figure appears behind him and shoves a large blade through his chest, spraying the reporter with blood. The Season 4 page has now been updated with a Forge memorial and a new as-yet-unnamed legend. This is this is a really clever marketing <laughs> yeah. campaign. The bait-and-switch because no one would expect it. 
right? Like, if it, let's say Overwatch did one of these, because every time they announce a new hero, there's a big oh, trailer yeah. for it, right? Mm-hmm. If you got 90% of the way through that trailer, and you're like, oh, this is the guy. Psych! Right? <laughs> like, uh, you know, Sigma. If you got 90% of the way through that trailer... And then Junker Queen showed up and just kicked him off the I building. I lose it. I literally <laughs> lose my damn mind. Uh, specifically Norris would, yeah. <laughs> the 2020 NHL All-Star Weekend is set to kick off with gaming as it starts the league's 2020 esports campaign with the Shell Gaming Challenge and the lead-up to the All-Star Game on Saturday. Participants will compete in NHL 20 in a series of challenges within the game and come... <clears throat> sorry, whoa. Uh, a, challenge, a series of challenges within the game and most of them come from the world of hockey, baseball, WWE, and gaming. Some of these names include Xavier Woods, Fatality, Seth Jones, and Hillary Knight. You didn't say that right. It's friend of the show, Xavier Woods. That's true. right. Friend of the show. That's You're right. right. Uh, mm-hmm. Austin Creed. If you want to hear some of our interviews with him, we've talked to him a couple of times here on the show. You can find all of that over at CheckpointXP.com. One of the things that sets apart the Korean League of Legends from the rest of the world is a 15-year head start in the infrastructure to to raise stars from a young age. 100 Thieves proves once again how committed they are to the future of League. They've announced 100 Thieves Next program, which aims to help develop young North American talent. The team has already signed three new players from Solo Queue to the program who are still in high school. This is really important. Like, this is a really important stepping stone. This is a really important developmental piece in terms of esports as a whole. In terms of the whole, you know, uh, uh, economy of it, right? You have to have a place for people to train and prove themselves and and like you said korea has a 15 year record track record of training and and honing those skills and the biggest thing is that you know 100 thieves is once again at the cutting edge they just opened a new facility to cash up 100 thieves sort mm-hmm. of base camp that they created yeah their pop-up yeah they're no it's not a pop-up that's a permanent location that's a permanent location yeah, that is their headquarters now so they're really a cut above and the branding is great so 100 thieves proven again that uh they're one of the best orgs to be around Fortnite is currently being offered around the country as an interscholastic esports competition, and while many schools and students are jumping at the chance to start their esports legacies, none of that will happen in Kentucky. Kentucky High School Athletic Associate Commissioner Julian Tackett said Sunday in an email to school officials, "There is no place for shooter games in our schools." Stop it! Yo, hang on. We knew that Stop this was it. going to be an issue. Anytime you have the portrayal of shooting or guns in a video game, the question of whether it belongs in schools has to go hand in hand. And I don't think that the answer is always yes. I think Kentucky made a call here. I don't disagree with it. I think that there's going to be some kids who are really upset that they don't get to play Fortnite, but there are a a variety of other games to be able to apply your skills in. I feel you, but I couldn't disagree. I couldn't disagree more. I can understand CSGO depictions of very realistic Mm -hmm. violence, Call of Duty, etc. But there's gotta be, there's gotta be space for comic mischief, cartoon violence. If that was the case, kids shouldn't have been watching Tom and Jerry. All right, keep keep in mind too that they actually found out that Fortnite would be included on the anniversary of the Marshall County incident. Also, I'm not sure that Tom ever took out an AR-15 and blew Jerry away. 
Ah, they with shotguns, though. The ESL Pro League has announced their new format and a list of teams invited for Season 11. There are 24 teams on that list and include such names as Team Liquid, Astralis, Fnatic, 100 Thieves, and the Renegades, and many more. But notably missing from the list of invited teams are Cloud9, Gen.G, Dignitas, and MIBR. Those teams, along with two others, are reportedly going to sign to participate in the Face It B-Site League, which is said to compete directly with the ESL Pro League. Now, this is actually stacking up to be a really big deal in the world of CSGO. Uh, Weird Beard, what do you know about this? Uh, right now, there is a battle that's a lot like Raw and SmackDown, if you're a wrestling fan. Yeah. And that there are two competing companies that are essentially signing, like, contracts with teams saying, like, you're only going to use our world rankings, you're only going to play on our tournaments, and you can't even mention that you go on these other ones at all. It's pr- it's dirty. That's all for the Checkpoint XP eSports update. For more, head on over to our website, CheckpointXP.com. Alright, thanks Robbie for the update. Over the weekend, Genesis 7 was in action, and we got to talk about some of the results. Yeah, Genesis 7 was absolutely ginormous, and I'm going to be honest, man, I completely expected Genesis to go the way that every other Smash tournament has gone since Ultimate has come out. I've expected MK Leo to step up, dominate everybody. Completely. He does. He does seem to be the ultimate god. No, he really is. Yeah. And in his ability to be able to, you know, go in with Joker and completely dominate everybody has been great. However. He was not able to do that this year. Really? Yeah, he was not able to do that this year. It was Mars this year who was able to take out MK Leo and really dethrone a king. But it's good for the scene, by the way, that Mars took this win. Interesting. Now, now he still did, uh, uh, MK Leo still did make it to the finals match. Yes, right? it was All Mars right, versus right. MK Leo. Okay. So we pretty much dominated everybody else besides Mars. And when you go back and you watch the VODs and you watch this tournament, You'll be able to see just how much it means to Mars to win this and really how MK Leo in a weird way is very happy for him. It's almost it's almost like, you know, he's looking at his little brother who who finally was able to take a game off of him because he's just completely fathered the rest of the ultimate scene. So what do you think that this means for parody in the ultimate scene? I mean, you had just uh, mentioned MK Leo might actually be glad to be getting some stiff competition at this point, but you're right. MK Leo has walked away with the uh, lion's share mm-hmm. of wins in Smash Ultimate. Uh, you know, is there going to be some kind of change? Is there going to be some kind of character addition? Uh, you know, we talked about Byleth coming in mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks. Like, you know, is there going to be some kind of shakeup where MK Leo is finally going to get, you know, have have the, you know, I, I mean, get, I get a real competitor? Under I, I'm not entirely sure, man, because, you know, we talked about that, you know, many, many moons ago. But the thing with MK Leo is that he was able to come in with a new character and take Joker and completely dominate even harder with him because he was already using Ike. So he stopped using Ike, picked up a new character, and was even better with the brand new character than he was with the legacy character. So a new character might mess around and give MK Leo even more of an advantage. It's crazy. That is crazy. What are you uh, looking forward to in terms of, uh, you know, some future Smash events here? I mean, you know, obviously I'm always looking forward to Frostbite and Big House, which is much later in the year, but Frostbite takes place 
here uh, in in Metro Detroit. Uh, but obviously, Evo. The the eyes always point towards Evo. Everything in the FGC. The moment January comes around, you look towards Evo. Obviously, there's a litany of other events in between. But that's where my mind frame is: is Frostbite, a few other smaller tournaments, and then eventually Evo. Yeah, Evo Japan just getting wrapped up uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot happening out there, including some uh, strange tournament picks, uh, some strange character picks, and uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see the way that the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate scene ends up shaking out as we continue on here. Uh, and MK Leo, when will he ascend to official Smash Godhood? I think if he takes two Evos in a row, you have to consider him... Two a, in a row? Really? Yeah. You have to consider him a Smash guy. That's a high bar. It is a high bar, but he's very close. He's almost there. The only thing is, is that Ultimate itself is so new. If he sustains this over a number of years, then there's no question. Well, listen, we want to hear from you. What are you excited about for uh, the upcoming season in Smash? Which Smash tournaments are you looking forward to the most? Connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. And when you do, make sure you use the hashtag XP on air. Still ahead on Checkpoint XP, Universal Studios and Nintendo have partnered up. They've already started putting together a theme park in Japan, and now the U.S. is officially going to be getting one as well. And another company is getting in on the video game tourism market, and it's probably going to surprise you who it is. That conversation is still ahead here on Checkpoint XP, but ahead next, we're going to get to know the folks over at Gamers Vote. Steve Lipscomb joins us next here on Checkpoint XP. This is Checkpoint XP. Esports and gaming radio. CheckpointXP.com. Politics in video games. They oh, no. Don't go together well <laughs> if you believe the internet. Anyway, welcome back to Checkpoint XP, your home for esports and gaming. I want to thank everyone listening on Fox Sports 1360 WSAI in Cincinnati, Ohio, as well as Talk Radio. Also 1360 KKBJ over in Bemidji, Minnesota. Make sure you visit our website over at CheckpointXP.com. Whether it's our podcasts, our thoughts on the latest stories, in gaming and esports, or the Checkpoint XP merch. It all lives over at CheckpointXP.com. Norris and I had the distinct pleasure of sitting down with a uh, very interesting guy by the name of Steve Lipscomb. He's the managing director of Gamers.Vote, which is a really interesting organization. They're a uh, nonpartisan organization that is dedicated to getting gamers to sign up to vote, not to vote for any specific political party, but just to register to vote. And last week, you know, we talked about Joe Biden. We've talked about Donald Trump going after video games on this show before and uh, occasionally when we do that we'll get some tweets we'll get some emails and uh, people are like listen we don't want to hear you talk about politics and I don't think that you can separate politics and media the way that these people want to so we thought we would reach out to Steve and uh, talk to him a little bit about gamers.vote and you know one of the interesting things that we got to ask him is what kind of commonalities you know it may not fall on a left or right spectrum, but mm-hmm. what kind of commonalities unite gamers as a voting block? Well, I would say it's a as a very large group, the beautiful thing is the diversity. So in some ways, the uh, demographics 
uh, are uh, uh, perhaps less easy to identify than a lot of other groups. In other words, you can't say this is one myopic sphere of folks. Um, that to me is rather lovely, right? It's part of what I think we celebrate in the gaming community is that, um, yeah, we don't care who you are, what you look like, how old you are, what you're, we would just, we, it's great to play with you no matter where you are in the world. And I love that take. Yeah. I love that point of view because I do think that that is one of the things that unites us as gamers that, you know, it's not a regional thing. It's not, you know, like it doesn't it's not matter. a racial thing. It's not a racial thing. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are in the world. Let's team up. Let's go, uh, you know, frag some noobs. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, that's really the attitude that a lot of gamers take. And I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think also one of the most beautiful things about that statement is it kind of flies in the face of this whole gamer identity thing, right? Yeah. Where, you know, people, you know, still to this day, even though esports and video games are making more money than they ever have before, you know, more people are playing video games than are watching movies, which is crazy. Absolutely. But it kind of, you know, you say gamer and it invokes a certain type of person in your mind. You know, somebody says, oh, I'm a heavy gamer. You Absolutely. think of a certain type of person. So uh, Steve has got an interesting event coming up uh, called the Votathon. So we wanted to find out a little bit more about that. So, you know, it uh, comes out of the incredible brain of Kevin Lynn, co-founder of Twitch. Um, as we were talking about what to do in the 2020 cycle, his suggestion was to take a block of time that would be uh, the first time ever that uh, we encourage as many streamers, as many companies, as many people in the gaming world as possible to dedicate 18 hours of time uh, to doing whatever it is we usually do, but during that time also including uh, talking about registering and voting in what we're calling the Votathon. So that will be streamed all over the country, but uh, it'll also be have a spot at the HyperX Esports Arena in Vegas with the Allied Esports guys. And that's uh, happening around the weekend of July 4th. Uh, amazing event. I think that this is uh, so cool. Shades of Rock the Vote, MTV's yes. effort to get young people involved in politics. And I love it. I, I think that this is a modern Rock the Vote and uh, couldn't be more happy with uh, with with what Steve is uh, doing with Gamers.Vote. If you want to check it out, make sure you check it out. That's over at Gamers.Vote. But now it's time for Nailed It and Failed It. You know who this from the high highs to the low lows. Turn it up. Who nailed it and who failed it on Checkpoint XP Radio. This week, our nailed it comes from Evo Japan, where Street Fighter vet Mago fell to an unlikely opponent, Now Man, who selected low-tier fighter Sakura. On the counter, hit done. He has two bars. Reset here. He's going to spin. No, he just takes the damage. Mago's in trouble. Keeps it bluffed. That's Dalvin is your Evo Japan 2020 Street Fighter V champion with Sakura over Mago. Unbelievable. Make sure you check out Nailed It and Failed It over at our website, CheckpointXP.com. This is Checkpoint XP, eSports and Gaming Radio. Staying with 
politics in a kind of loosely affiliated sense. There was a really interesting uh, interview that BBC recently did with the creators of the latest Watch Dogs game. Yeah, that's right. So on uh, BBC Click, which is the BBC's uh, uh, tech show, they uh, sat down and interviewed the creative director Clint Hawking in the video game itself. This is so cool because you got to see the process of them being digitized and sort of mm-hmm. inserted into the game, what kind of process mm-hmm. that is, how many cameras it takes to, you know, map all of those textures and things like that. And then the the interview actually played out inside of the game yeah, engine. They, they were walking down the streets of London. You know, at some point, uh, Hawking references, you know, uh, a technology and drones, and you see a drone overhead flies by. And, and it's just, we're at this point now where you can do such cool things with video games. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we saw something similar at the Game Awards when uh, the Apex Legends character Mirage popped yes. up and, you know, talked sort of in, in person. But it's so cool to see like huge, big mainstream media using video games in this way that isn't just, you know, sensationalizing it to push an agenda. Absolutely. I love this. We, we also saw this around Fortnite when they were hyping up uh, right. Star Wars, uh, the, the final Star Wars film, where they interviewed J.J. Abrams in the game. Uh, I love this kind of stuff, and I think that it, it, it sort of, like, blurs the lines and, and really gets technology in there. Now, the way that it kind of butts up against politics is that game is going to heavily focus on Brexit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, which I think is is a bold move to comment on. I mean, not a lot of people say, hey, let's take some economic positions and base our entire narrative of our game around but, it. But is that, would that be considered bold if you put it into a book or in a movie Not somewhere? at all. And I think that's part of the reason why I don't understand the whole take politics out of my games group of people. Because when you talk about a film or you talk about a, a book or whatever, you know, Animal Farm or 1984 or anything like that, these are some of the most beloved books in the history of uh, American literature and there are heavy political critiques and criticisms and video games deserve to have that same breath. There was a big uh, quote that came out of the last presidential election that is politics is downstream from culture. We Absolutely. see where video games sit anymore it's it's pop culture, you know? You're totally right. Alright, well listen we want to hear from you. Do you think that uh, politics is downwind from culture? Was that right? Was that the right uh, quote there? Well, it's <laughs> not a fart. Okay, close Close enough. All right, we want to hear from you. Connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. And when you do, make sure you use the hashtag XP on air. But ahead next, Universal and Nintendo are uh, pairing together to open a new Nintendo-themed park Ooh. in the U.S. That's Plus, talking about. Atari is going to break into that game as well. We're going to talk all about it ahead next on Checkpoint XP. Hey, this is Weird Beard with the Checkpoint XP Save the Date calendar, letting you know about the latest esports competitions to look forward to in the coming weeks. Overwatch League is gearing up to return. The first week of the third season will start February 8th with homestands in New York and Dallas. February 8th will also play host to the second week of the Call of Duty League. Eight teams will be descending on London for a single elimination bracket. This will be the first of 12 tournaments. The spring split of the League of Legends LCS is underway once again. This week's Monday night matches will feature FlyQuest versus Dignitas and Team Solo Mid versus Counter. 
Logic Gaming. February 1st will mark the kickoff of the Rocket League Championship Series. Teams will be competing weekly until the regional championships at the end of March. February will play host to DreamHack Anaheim, which will bring us back to the world of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. That tournament will be running from February 21st through the 23rd. That same weekend, we'll also play host to Frostbite 2020, welcoming Smash players from all over the country to Detroit, Michigan. As we look towards March, all eyes are on ESL1 Los Angeles, marking the first Dota ESL major of the year. That's it for the Checkpoint XP Save the Day calendar. And remember, for all the latest in the world of esports, check out our website at CheckpointXP.com. This is Checkpoint XP. Esports and gaming radio. CheckpointXP.com. Your next vacation could be an entirely video game themed vacation. Welcome yes. back to Checkpoint XP, your home for esports and gaming. I want to thank everyone listening in Colorado on ESPN Denver 1600-1043, The Fan, as well as Extra Sports 1300 in Colorado Springs. Checkpoint XP merch is officially available. We've got shirts, hats, hoodies, and mugs for Checkpoint XP, the other identity, low team damage, and a whole lot more. Plus, we've got brand new Dungeons and Dragons inspired merch. You can check it all out over at CheckpointXP.com slash shop. Universal Studios is getting a pretty hefty addition. They're going to be doubling their size, but a part of that is going to be very similar to the uh, recent installation that's happened in Japan. They're getting a Super Mario World. Oh, this is something, guys. This is cool. This is really cool. But yes, just like you said, uh, the, the Osaka one actually opens this spring. And uh, they've just announced that uh, Universal Studios would be opening one down in uh, Universal Orlando as yes. well. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about big enough to employ an additional 14,000 workers here. Yeah. Mm. It's so that's, bit, a, it's that's a, the size of a park onto itself. It's a sizable expansion that the park is uh, is undergoing. I mean, they've got to keep up with uh, Disney somehow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, the thing is, though, is that, like, I keep seeing, you know, the hype around the uh, Japan park opening, and I, I knew it was only going to be a matter of time before we were like, oh, yeah, let's get that in Orlando th- for th- sure. Three years time. They're, they're aiming for 2023 right now. and That uh, is ambitious. Uh, How uh, exciting <laughs> is this, though? I mean, like, uh, dude, I really want to go and and have a video game themed vacation. I mean, it does ah. sound really cool, and I'm especially impressed to hear that from you, considering you hate all things Disney and joy and I, theme parky and all that stuff. I listen. Okay, so have uh, either le- of you been to any any of the uh, Universal theme yeah. parks before? Oh, yeah, many times. How do they compare to Disney? Because honestly, as excited as I want to okay. be, and I don't mean to be the party Not pooper to here, sound like a hipster. But the thing, I like Universal more. I do, too. Here's the thing. I've always liked Universal more. Disney is better for the experience. The whole magical Disney It's better for castle, the family. Better for the family. If you want to ride rides yeah. and eat food and throw up, <laughs> you go to Universal right, Studios. Because well, well, one of the things they're talking about that, that's going to happen at Osaka, and I'm sure we'll see it happen you know, in Orlando as well, is that you, so you're going to get something called... Uh, 
power-up bands, wristbands that you uh-huh. wear, that as you walk around, uh, 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 Koo, the uh, senior vice president and chief creative officer at Universal Creative, says you're not just playing the game, you're living the game, you're living the adventure. You get to go around all these iconic sort of locations, and with these power-up bands that have an app, it allows guests to collect digital coins, like in Mario, and play games against other visitors in the park. That sounds a little bit more like Pokemon Go. I mean, that sounds sweet. Me. I mean, a little Black Mirror-ish, but it sounds yeah. really cool. I, I think that that's an added layer of experience that you get on. I don't think it, that is the experience. Well, no, no. not the only experience. But no. like, I, I can't help but look what Disney did with their uh, uh, their new Star Wars park. And there's not a whole lot there. No, you just get to go see the Millennium Falcon I mean, and the, go to the space bar. But That's the thing, pretty much the, it. but the thing with the Star Wars thing is like the whole, the whole feeling of being immersed in that world, which is part of what Disney parks do very well. And I think by having the the Nintendo Park or the Mario Park that they're going to be making, it's going to be able to way, be able for it's going to be a way for them to be able to immerse people in those worlds so you guys that believe, they've never been able to do before. Yeah. So you guys believe that Universal will have more of a emphasis on like the rides and the experience? It traditionally so, yeah. has. I, I it mean, traditionally has. It, it usually has, yeah. There's usually bigger roller coasters uh, over at Universal. Um, um, I don't know how much of a user experience you can get out of a Nintendo Land, right? Like, I think that there's some really unique attractions. Like, if they did real Metroid life, laser tag, real life Mario Kart, mm-hmm. you oh, know, yeah. real I mean, life that, Mario that's Kart. That's an easy go to. That's an so easy one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I could ride a Yoshi at some point, <laughs> that would be awesome. But like, there's a bunch of Nintendo branded stuff that you really could do. That would be pretty awesome if they had. Even like a V, a completely VR Pokemon experience where you like have the Safari Zone. Yeah. Where you go through the Safari Zone and you can catch Pokemon, and because you got the digital wristband, you can take those Pokemon and link them up with your Pokemon Go yep. on your phone. You have to spend $10 per Pokeball when your kids run out. Yeah. Sure. It'd be great. <laughs> I, I do think that there's some very clever and unique stuff, especially with the digital layer on top of it that they can do for this park. I'm excited for it. I think that it's going to be a great addition to Universal Studios. But here's the thing is that they're not the only ones that are jumping in both feet to the hotel destination sort of uh, uh, industry because unlikely candidate Atari has also announced that they're going to be opening up a series of uh, Atari themed hotels. Yeah, and and the thing is, they're talking about multiple locations, Austin, Texas, Vegas, Chicago, amongst uh, amongst others. Uh, The first location, they say, is slated to be Phoenix, Arizona. And the thing is, is that I'm much more leery about this than I am about Nintendo Land. Tell me why. Nintendo Land makes sense to me. It's whimsical. It has, you know, kitsch. It has its own thing. I want to visit Nintendo. Yeah. What about Atari says I want to be there? (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Fair. I don't think that you can really compare the two experiences necessarily. Okay. The vibe I get from the Atari hotels is that they're going for, like, the hardcore gamer, like... you More of a lifestyle. Yeah, you're going to have a gaming PC set up in your room 
right? Like one of the thi- one of the things. I mean, it, that that would be part of the experience, right? Yeah, like yeah. you don't have to take your laptop. I guess you're right. right? The idea here is that your overall experience at the hotel is video game themed, right? They talk about having fully immersive, like virtual reality, augmented reality experiences. Some of the locations are going to have esports arenas. I think that Atari, as a brand, is trying to look to pivot more towards. The, the, the gaming lifestyle and experience as opposed uh, to... And there's a here's, huge market there. there. I'm games. not saying it doesn't make sense, especially as gamers continue to age and have, you know, kids of their own. Like, being able to go to a hotel where the experience is centered around gaming is no different than going to, like, Treasure Island, I guess, where yeah. if you read all that stuff as a kid. Like, a couple of months ago, we heard another story about a... I think it's a hotel in Japan where they basically made made the outside, the exterior of look like the a hotel. PC. It looked like yeah. a PC case. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was such a unique idea. And now here's someone that's coming in. Atari has the ability to do that among multiple locations. But most of those locations are really good, you know, tourist destinations, Austin, Chicago, uh, Vegas. Vegas. The biggest thing I'll say about it is that I just don't want it to be GameWorks the hotel because look at GameWorks. You know, that's that's probably a good point. That, um, that's not even the worst thing. I'm actually, <laughs> on this Polygon article, they have what I assume is a concept design. They have the wood paneling. Oh, no! On the outside of the hotel forming no. the Atari no, logo. No, 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 no. You're talking about the wood paneling that was actually on the Atari yeah. itself? The thing that yeah. was the thing that made it hideous? Yeah. And it made it match your, uh, your, your station wagon that was sitting in the driveway? The same one. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, that, yep, that's pretty disappointing. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good marketing decision. Uh, Listen, Atari, if you can hear me, the esports arenas, those make sense. The wood paneling. More neon, less wood paneling. Yeah, maybe not so much. Leave the wood paneling in the 80s, Less guys. for Micah. All right, well, listen, we want to hear from you. Would you book your gamer vacation at either one of these destinations? Connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. And when you do, make sure you use the hashtag XP on air. Still ahead in the next hour of Checkpoint XP, Call of Duty had an interesting forfeit match this weekend as they kicked off their season. We're going to break that down. Plus, Activision Blizzard entered a media deal not with Twitch this time but with YouTube. We're going to tell you all about it. But ahead next, we're going to check in with Robbie over at the Checkpoint XP News Desk. EVE Online Spaceship has just sold at auction and you will never guess how much. I really don't want to guess. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, boy. All right. Gaming news is next here on Checkpoint XP. Ready, set, go! Welcome into Checkpoint XP Esports and Gaming Radio. A complete look at all things esports and gaming. A production of Beasley Esports XP. And welcome to another hour of Checkpoint XP, your home for esports and gaming. Coming up on this hour of Checkpoint XP, we've got to talk about that uh, Call of Duty match where all the drama unfolded. We're going to explain all of it. Plus, Activision Blizzard has brokered an impressive media deal, exclusive streaming rights with Google and YouTube. Those conversations ahead this hour here on Checkpoint XP. But first, gaming news update. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this program to bring you important news. 
EVE Online is making headlines that are normally reserved for Star Citizen. One generous player paid nearly $33,000 for what is the most expensive ship ever sold in the game. Now, before anyone freaks out too much over a 30 grand internet spaceship, it was sold in a charity auction, and all proceeds are going to benefit the Australian wildfire. Oh, I thought, like you said, I thought this was a Star Citizen situation where a guy in a top hat and a curly mustache with too much time on his hands decided that he wanted to spend almost 35 rats on a spaceship. Oh, I'll go into a good cause. I need to know where these people exist. Who has this is a, 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 a $33,000 on hand that they can just go and blow on a digital they, spaceship? We are mediocre streamers at best, okay? Okay, we don't know this kind of money. We are international radio stars, and I won't hear any of that slander, sir. Last weekend, tragedy struck as legendary athlete Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash in California. Social media is filled with words from celebrities and fans alike of mourning and remembrance. NBA 2K developers and players have filled the game with their own kind of tributes. Logging into the game shows the memorial title card to Kobe, which also shows up on multiple billboards throughout the game. Yeah. And players all across the world are sporting Lakers tops and deliberately taking 24-second shot clock violations and 8-second backcourt violations after the opening tip-off as tributes to Bryant for the two numbers he wore over 20 seasons with the Los Angeles yeah, Lakers. It, it's, it's a, it, I was devastated by this news, literally stunned as somebody who followed basketball through the 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s very closely. Uh, it, it was devastating and also uh, our condolences to the family Absolutely. as well as uh, uh, RIP to uh, Gigi Bryant, his young daughter, who was also on the on the helicopter. Absolutely. And it's not just unique to NBA 2K as well. Other game, you know, players in all sorts of video games uh, online and offline have been making tributes to Kobe Bryant. Uh, the game that I love and that I play the most, and I know that I'm going to hear about it on Twitter, Fallout 76, there was a wonderful memorial that was was built to him uh, that is making the rounds all over the internet and we'll have a post at, uh, about it over at our website checkpointxp.com over the next week or so you may notice a new top game on twitch that normally isn't there as its competitive scene begins again world of warcraft's most recent raid nihilotha the waking city mythic difficulty is now live and guilds from all over the world are racing to see who can beat it first the top two contenders are method from the eu and complexity limit from north america Last raid tier saw Method win the race with Limit following shortly behind them. Can I just say something? This is so much different from world first races that I've seen in years past. Uh, There is a studio. There are casters. Setup going, man. Expert analysis. So impressive. I have to give them. You know, like like a news ticker at the bottom with updates. It's crazy. I love it. I didn't think that we would see this out of. MMOs, specifically massively multiplayer online role-playing games. And this is one of the only ways that it can, as you had mentioned, it's not always... Happens maybe three times a year. Exactly, when you get new raid tiers. So uh, this is pretty cool, and I hope everyone goes and checks that out over on Twitch. When Ninja left Twitch for Mixer, it started what some are calling the Streamer Wars. Several other streamers were soon to follow, including 100 Thieves Courage, who found a new home on YouTube. There's always been a question of where the best home for content creators really is between Twitch, YouTube, Mixer, or even Facebook, I guess. Well, Courage just passed a major milestone on YouTube as he crossed 2 million subscribers. Now, it's a little bit different on YouTube than Twitch. Subscribers are more like followers. But he moved to YouTube back in November, so that's just three short months. 
You want to guess how many followers he had on Twitch where he spent the majority of his streaming career? Probably somewhere around 2 million. 2.1 million. Wow. In only three months, he's so, caught up to Again, that. this is a big thing that, you know, we've talked about many times when it comes to YouTube. The ability to get new eyeballs and the ability to get people who wouldn't normally be sliding over to Twitch mm-hmm. to, and, you know, take in your content. I think this is a major, major advantage to being on YouTube. And I know we're going to be talking about YouTube a little bit more in the show coming up. Absolutely. It does seem like Google and YouTube are making big strides into this arena, uh, which is weird because it was their arena before it was Twitch's. Yeah. They ruled the Let's Plays, mm-hmm. and now it's starting to come back to YouTube. It's an interesting phenomenon and something that we're going to have to pay attention to. Grand Theft Auto was, is one of the most recognizable franchises in gaming, and no one knows when or if Rockstar will start working on the sixth installment, but that hasn't stopped the voice actors from GTA V from having a little fun. Sean Fantino, who played Franklin, posted a picture on Instagram of himself in a, mo- in a motion capture suit saying, y'all don't start with these GTA rumors, it's FBF. To which Ned Luke, voice of Michael DeSanta, replied, GTA 6 confirmed, story DLC confirmed, jetpack confirmed, BI maps that on moon confirmed, followed by a series of star emojis and a stroke. <laughs> by the way, I, I got a chance to hang out with uh, both of these gentlemen all the way back what? at the Alamo City Comic Con down in San Antonio. Uh, they complimented me on my wonderful radio voice, so I'm expecting the call to be one of the DJs in Grand Theft Auto 6. Come on, Ned. Make it happen. Nate's, yeah, Nate's dream wishing. of being Laszlo, yeah. the new Laszlo. Come on, Sean, let's make this happen. What's the weirdest excuse you've ever heard for a team member going AFK or losing a game? Lag is probably the most common, but yeah. I once had a guy tell me he had to go pick his cat up from the airport. <laughs> <laughs> One unlucky CSGO player abandoned his game right as his team was planting the bomb. The reason? A car drove through his front door. No. Yo. His team could hear expletives and and, and wondered (laughs) what had happened, and eventually he came back to explain the situation and promise pictures, but just just take a quick listen here. Jesus, dude. Hey, I'm going to have to leave. Somebody just hit my f***ing house with a car and broke my door down. (laughs) What? Like, no joke, I'll send you guys pictures later. Like, <laughs> Holy sh. Oh uh, my god. Can we get a sub in? <laughs> <laughs> that is by far the best way to end a call like that. Oh my god. Yeah. A million DKP for that guy. Uh, that's all for the Checkpoint XP gaming update. For more, head on over to our website, CheckpointXP.com. <laughs> oh, can we get a sub in? Important <laughs> questions. Thanks, Robbie, for the update. Uh, as the decade comes to a close, there are a lot of people looking back and evaluating industries of all sorts. Uh, there's one that stands out amongst every other one. And that's video games. From 2010 to 2020, there's been nothing but profit for video games. Yeah, according to the Washington Post, uh, actually, you know, going from 2010 to 2020, uh, the annual game industry revenue grew from 78 billion in 2010 to 137 billion dollars. <sighs> Last year, that is more than either Hollywood or the American music industry makes. 
how are people not taking, as a whole, as a society, how are we still not taking video games seriously? I, I mean, I think that we're taking video games more seriously now than ever. Sure. And especially because of the money that it generates. A lot of other uh, you know, companies have, have uh, identified that this is a, a, a place where you can make a lot of money and you can turn a lot of heads. So I do think at this point in time, it's being taken more seriously than ever. I think, you know, you've got some stall words out there uh, like uh, Joe Biden, who is dedicated to calling people who make video games creeps. He did his homework, though, Nate. I mean, but he the, didn't. But the, he really didn't. But Robbie. the point is, is that, you know, I think what Robbie's saying is that overall feeling of how people react to you when you talk about video games. Nobody looks at somebody sideways when they say they're an avid book reader or they're, you know, binging stuff on Netflix. That Absolutely. is all accepted widely by our society. And yet, when you tell somebody that you are, you know, a hardcore gamer, you're somebody that could dedicate 20 hours a week to gaming, people look at you like you're some sort of leper still. I think that there's a bit of ageism that comes in there. For if sure. you're there a is. certain age, if you're like, I don't know, let's say older than 28, older than 30, you definitely get okay, those sideways Okay, if you're older looks. than 30 and a big book reader, nobody says you're a weirdo. But that's my point, though. That's my point, is that it's not something that is applied across the board. It's, it's specific to, I feel, older people that play or are serious about video games. The other thing that's really going to impact it is uh, the gatekeepers have finally said that you can make money through video games, yes. right? Like, for a long time, movies were seen as a bankable stalwart, like people spend money at the cinema, that's what they do you've seen that market crash over the past mm-hmm. five to six years outside of Marvel movies uh, yeah but I mean outside of a big spectacle event yeah. people don't yeah. get up and get off their couch and this is the same thing why would you invest the same amount of money essentially into a movie when you can just do it as a video game and be guaranteed a market yeah it does seem to be like uh, you know there's there's some easy money folks that come out of the woodwork um, you know but mostly I'd say that you know the creators the people who are making the video games themselves that there is still a certain amount of gatekeeping that has kept uh, uh, some of those other industries out of the business of making games. They're in the business of making stuff about games, right? So I think that it's a little bit different from movies and music because it's not as easily accessible on the creator side of things. Listen, we want to hear from you. What do you think about that staggering statistic going from $78 billion to $137 billion? You feel pretty good about being a gamer? Connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter and checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. And when you do, make sure you use the hashtag XP on air. Still ahead on Checkpoint XP, Activision Blizzard has signed a major deal uh, with Google and YouTube for exclusive streaming rights. We're going to break down all the specifics of that deal ahead on Checkpoint XP. But ahead next, Call of Duty seeing some major drama in its opening matches. We're going to talk about it ahead next on Checkpoint XP. This is Checkpoint XP. Esports and gaming radio. Checkpointxp.com. 
Minnesota playing host to the opening week of Call of Duty League, and they put together quite a show. Welcome back to Checkpoint XP, your home for esports and gaming. I want to thank everyone listening on 98.5, the Sports Hub of Boston, as well as the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. Attention all racing fans. The WGN Forza Motorsports 7 Championship is being held on February 23rd at the Canadian International Auto Show in Toronto. If you haven't qualified yet, you still have time. Live qualifiers will be held in Toronto with the eight fastest racers getting a shot at the $20,000 prize pool. It all happens at the Canadian International Auto Show running February 14th through the 23rd at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. Get your tickets today at autoshow.ca. And for more info on the WGN Forza Motorsports 7 Championship, head on over to World Gaming. An impressive showing for the first week of the Call of Duty League. We didn't know how this was going to end up working out, but uh, an amazing showing out at uh, at the Armory in uh, Minneapolis. And I've got to say, this was an interesting opening, uh, you know, an opening to the season. But there was a really important moment that happened while the Minnesota Rocker were uh, facing off against the L.A. Gorillas. That's right. So uh, overall, the Rocker did end up winning the match three to one. But this could have, and maybe depending on your opinion, should have played out very differently. In one of these matches, the Rocker actually uh, got the win because the judges had, or the officials, had declared that the LA Gorillas had uh, broken a rule. They had some illegal stuff going on with mm-hmm. their gameplay, and as a result, they were forced to forfeit that match, one that they were handily winning. So what ended up happening was a player by the name of Andre or, or Andres uh, Lacefield had on the hardline perk and what that perk allows you to do is you get to your kill streak uh, bonuses one kill quicker than you normally Wait, would but they oh, okay. don't they don't they don't use kill streaks yes. in competitive that's Call right so hardline first of all is not allowed in competitive play but kill streaks also aren't used in competitive play so the perk didn't actually affect anything but they were disqualified and handed a loss for that round anyway that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, you would think, like, first of all, if you're not allowed to select the ability, why does the game allow you to select the ability? You know, the the, the programming for these things is malleable enough where if you needed to block it for tournament purposes, for tournament mode. that you should tournament mode. absolutely be baked into the, the software of the program. So to take it a little bit further, too, in the Los Angeles Gorillas' official statement, they mentioned that the allowance of specialist bonus, despite including banned perks, was decided through an impromptu vote in which no Gorillas team members were actually invited to. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so wait a minute. So when they actually made this rule in the league, the team that ended up violating the rule just wasn't present? Apparently, yeah. Yeah, man. That's sketchy. I, I, first of all, I need to say, because a lot of people are looking at this, ju- just this whole thing, this whole mm-hmm. controversy, and being like, this is a bad look, right? This is not the way you want to start off you know, the first week of your league. And to some extent, I get that. But at the same time, nothing to me has ever spelt or has ever felt more like traditional sports than this moment. <laughs> than a bad ref right call here. No, Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it does. And the thing is, is, is first of all, if, if nobody from the Gorillas was invited, that's a league problem. However, if it went out as a league-wide correspondence And they email, just didn't show and up. And they didn't show up. 
that's on the that's on the the gorillas. Yeah. So it really depends on at that point who is telling the truth with that sense. Could no other team just share their notes with the gorillas? <laughs> like, come on, man! Like, listen, we couldn't make it. But can I just look off your paper? Come on now. I mean, but the biggest thing to me is that you know, if you know that there is. You know, confusion about this rule, and it's the first time you guys are doing this as a thing. Let the match play out and go back and retroactively say, All right, everybody, because it's not like this affected gameplay. That's my, that's, was, that's, that's where I'm coming yeah. down on it. It didn't actually impact anything, it didn't affect anything. It, it nothing changed about the way that the map, the match would have unfolded. So this guy just made a boneheaded uh, choice for that match yeah. and was double penalized well, for it. Well, if anything, his team just would have been at a disadvantage because exactly he would have been using saying. a perk that's not giving him any perks. So uh, I, I really felt like it would have been much better for the CDL officials to just pull the gorillas to the side, say that this was not allowed, and moving forward that if anybody does that, they would forfeit a match. It's definitely a strange call, and uh, you know what? I think that you know, as the CDL continues on, we should be looking out for more of these types of calls to see whether or not they've really uh, uh, decided on all of the rules or not. Because this was just a very strange call at the last minute towards the end of a match. All right, we got to turn our attention now to nailed it and failed it. You know who this is? From the high highs to the low lows. Turn it up. Failed it on Checkpoint XP Radio. This week's failed it comes to us thanks to a blast from the past posted by ESL Pro League Twitter as a reminder of just how a true fail can live on an infamy for months and months. Flashback to Star Ladder Major Berlin just a few months ago, where G2 throw away around on match point to derail their own comeback. Uh, if it wasn't for that double kill from Shocks, triple kill make that beautiful round on the defense. Wow. But you could see the, the idea behind that from Astralis. Get that plant down so quickly. You have someone lurking hot. You have device lurking Hello, in ramp room. Wait. He's the only one with the kit. What are they doing? They're not finding the bomb. No. No one's no, no, no. Oh, please God. absolutely no way. This can't no. be real. Oh. No, G2. Holy sh**. This can't be real. How have they done that? Uh, I think the best part about that clip is is actually the music the in the Mario background. All right, uh, listen. Uh, do you know anyone who nailed it? What about failed it? Make a submission over at our website, checkpointxp.com. This is Checkpoint XP. Check out the latest esports and gaming news and opinions at checkpointxp.com. Don't want to leave the CDL uh, premiere just yet. Uh, one of the other kind of divisive moments that happened uh, during this opening week ceremony, opening weekend ceremonies, uh, was the performance that they had, a live music performance out at the CDL. Uh, being in Minneapolis, uh, members of the rap group Doomtree, who have a side project called Shredders, ended up performing that night. I'm a big fan of Shredders. I enjoyed seeing them take the stage. The YouTube chat did not. Well, to, to be fair, I think there might have been some issues with like the audio setup because it didn't sound very good. It didn't good. sound great. I mean, this wasn't like DJ Khaled at the OWL Finals in 2018 bad. See, that's right? where I am. If, was, you had, if you had looked at the YouTube chat, you would have thought did, so. I, I, that I was your first problem, looking at the YouTube chat. That, that's fair enough. Issue number one. But I don't think it was that bad because this was at least a act that is... You know, that's pretty intrinsic 
to the Minnesota Twin, you know, the Twin Cities area. Yes. Oh yeah, it's it's sort of woven into the DNA of the town. Okay, but this is a thing that keeps happening over and over again. Where you know a, a musician will be booked at an esports performance, whether it's Shredders, uh, whether it's uh, Jax Anderson that mm-hmm. was here in Detroit at the uh, LCS Summer Split. You know, I, I these performances will happen, and then it just seems like the entire online world has to give their opinion about what they think of this musical artist. And, you know, to me, I understand why DJ Khaled probably didn't go over well. They clearly overpaid for an artist that didn't care that they were there. But I I don't know that you can apply that same rubric to a Jax Anderson or a Shredders. They seemed very much like they were excited to be there. They were trying to engage the crowd. Well, and and DJ po- Zed went over very well at the 2019 Overwatch Finals. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is that I, I think that just the optics behind the Shredder's performance was bad because it was late in the night. A lot of people had left the armory at that point. So you just saw a really empty arena and these guys performing and trying to get people into it. The big thing with this is that uh, traditional sports have had years and years and years to perfect the live performance, right? Sure. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's a whole build out. It's not this thing that you can just Ooh. last minute book and be like, hey, come play on our stage. Well, and I think going forward in the future, too, I think that's going to get a lot better. And, and specifically, if you look at Overactive Media, who own the Toronto Defiant and the Ultra, they've actually uh, signed a multi-year deal with Universal Music Canada and a, and a multi-year collaboration from both the CDL and the OWL. They're talking about offic- uh, creating official playlists for the homestands, walkout music for both their teams, uh, looking at artist performance that'll take place you know, at different weekends in Toronto. So I think you're white right, Weirdbeard, and I think that, that this scene is starting to build towards that. Uh, see, I agree. And that's sort of the thing that I think Riot has figured out mm-hmm. and got right, you know, almost right off the bat is that esports music or the soundtrack of esports has to be made for esports. I don't think this is something. So wait, so wait, every esports uh, league no. or organization needs to start no. hiring musicians? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, first it of all, because Riot didn't necessarily go out and have, first of all, they do have an in house music division, but they didn't go out and sign, you know, Kiki Palmer to a record deal to do Giants last year, right? No, I get that. It was a, it was a one off. But the thing is, is that they understood that something for our scene has to be made for our scene. I think that with the NFL and the NBA, their appeal is widespread enough to where, yes, we could go and get Drake because enough people listen to Drake that watch our sport. See, I'm not even convinced that if you got Drake that he would go over well. No, because enough people <laughs> who are in esports are probably not fans of Drake, which is why I think something like DJ Z works. I think Electronica works a lot better than something like straightforward hip hop. Listen, there's got to be a nexus between esports and popular music. I, I think fail to, uh, to to think that that doesn't exist. But listen, we want to hear from you. What did you think of the uh, of the opening week of Call of Duty League? What did you think of that Shredder's performance? And what do you think about music in esports? Connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. And when you do, make sure you use the hashtag XP on air. Still ahead on Checkpoint XP, we're going to check in with our social media followers. This, this week we asked you a very important question. Our boss, Leslie, recently bought a Switch, and we asked you what her first game should be for the Switch. We're going to find out what her first game actually is, plus what you suggested coming up here on Checkpoint XP. But ahead next, Activision and Blizzard have announced a massive media partnership with Google and YouTube. We're going to break it all down ahead next on Checkpoint XP.
This is Checkpoint XP. Esports and gaming radio. CheckpointXP.com. Your Overwatch and Call of Duty competitive leagues are no longer on Twitch. There's only one place to get them. That's on YouTube. Really? Welcome back to Checkpoint XP, your home for esports and gaming. I want to thank everyone listening on CBS Sports Radio 1300 in Baltimore, as well as WCBT 1230 in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. For all the latest in college esports, make sure you check out Checkpoint XP on campus. Our own Norris Howard hosts alongside Jacob Brothers and Daniel Agbuya from the University of Las Vegas. They bring you all the biggest stories in collegiate esports from a perspective of the students who live and breathe it. What's this week on the show, Norris? Oh, we're going to be breaking down the fact that Fortnite is going to be official high school and varsity college esport. We got that and a lot more, so make sure you're tuned in. Check it out over at our website, CheckpointXP.com, or look for Checkpoint XP on campus wherever you get your podcasts. Activision and Blizzard waiting until the 11th hour. So literally. <laughs> just before the CDL debut to be able to announce where people can watch their Call of Duty and Overwatch this year. Yeah, that's right. So Activision... And it's not just those games. No, no, it's, it's not. It's more Blizzard games on top of yep. it, too. Uh, we know for sure uh, Call of Duty, Overwatch, and Hearthstone. Uh, they said in the press release and more whatever that ends up being. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've signed a multi-year deal uh, with Google for the exclusive rights to broadcast uh, at least those three major esports. It's pretty much just Hearthstone and StarCraft 2 that is StarCraft, not included in this. Uh, Hearthstone, Hearthstone is included. Is it would be, oh, Hearthstone it would be is. StarCraft and uh, the new WarCraft 3 Reforged. That's what it is. Because they, right. they gave those rights away to another tournament uh, organizer. To the uh, 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 ELS, I think? Uh, yeah, ESL. I think ESL. 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 Yes, 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 That's sorry, it. Excuse me. Yep. But, the, um, but no specific time frame has been given for this deal yet. We don't how many years all we know is that it's multi-year and we don't have any details on what the amount is just yet does well, that make you guys feel a little bit sketchy oh, about this just a little bit because there was so much that was transparent and above board about the twitch deal we knew exactly what the duration was going to be we knew exactly how much twitch had paid for those rights as well and now it's all kind of cloak and dagger. Like well, and that, I, that just that I don't know. That doesn't sit right with me. Well, and I think that's part of the fact that the deal was done. You know, at, at such a late hour. Obviously, you know, we're not going to get all the details. You know, right up front. We didn't get the details even of the Twitch deal right up front. Yeah, that you know sussed itself out over a, a number of a few. Well, they weeks. also didn't wait to the last minute. For that's that deal but to be that's put my point. Place. But the biggest thing here is is this would be akin to FIFA. Right, going to NBC and saying you have the streaming rights to every league except for I don't know the Fijian league <laughs> and the Australian league. Right, right? it's yeah, like yeah, everything yeah. Activision Blizzard does will now be on YouTube outside of a couple smaller games. You know, and, and I feel like who is that a coup for truly? Right, because oh, it's it feels gotta, like it's got to be YouTube. The answer has to be YouTube until we know how big that money bag That's is. That's true. Because ninety million dollars was great, but if YouTube came around and doubled that now, for everything that Activision Blizzard does, that. That's pretty convincing. I, I I do think that Blizzard's probably getting more out of this deal to a certain extent than what they were with Twitch. Obviously, Twitch has more gamer eyes on them, right? They have something like 70 plus percentage of all streaming minutes watched, all right? 
But YouTube has more eyes overall on it, and they also have stuff like, uh, you know, they mentioned that uh, 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 Jacques uh, Aramis, uh, the chief uh, information officer of Activision Blizzard, said, we're excited to partner with Google to drive the next generation of gaming innovation for the industry. Google Cloud's best-in-class infrastructure gives us the confidence to deliver great entertainment to our fans around the world. They mentioned, uh, you know, they have a high, reliable global footprint, advanced data analytics. Uh, They have the AI capabilities. Uh, and, and creating a platform for just building future gaming innovations. I think that Google, more than Twitch, has a bigger potential for Higher where they ceiling. could take exactly yeah. of where they could take it. To take it back to the to the viewer though, where do you think the better viewer overall experience is going to be? Would it have been on Twitch or would it be YouTube? See that that's a, I think that's a very valid question because along with you know things like the Overwatch League, you had the the bonus pass, the season pass, where you got all of Which the. Which they sta- can build into YouTube. They can't, yeah, of course, Google. But we don't. But the thing is, is we've never seen that before, that's and we fair. don't know what that looks like. Exactly. And, and with Twitch, that stuff what kind is, of back end does that take? Yeah, with Twitch, that stuff is already built in. Drops are part of Twitch esports viewing culture. You know that if you're a fan, if you watch the streams, you'll get rewarded for it. There are extensions, though, to use your Twitch emotes on YouTube chat as well. So it's not like you've necessarily <laughs> lost any of those. <laughs> no, that, that, it's, it's true, but I think, you know, to, to Weird Beer's question, I think as it stands right now today, yeah. the better viewer experience probably is on Twitch. Sure. However, Google's infrastructure is the best in the world. You're not wrong. And I think, you know, when you talk about a potential audience as well, you know, uh, Robbie, you had brought up that, you know, most of the gamer eyeballs are already on Twitch. And I don't know that at this point, Overwatch League needs to win over gamers. That's the thing. Anyone I think they already have. Anyone who's in on Overwatch yeah. League, they're, 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 they're going to make the jump over to YouTube. Exactly. And the thing is, is that, you know, there is a much wider spectrum of potential viewers that exist on YouTube. And yes. I think that that kind of uh, ecosystem is probably more conducive to finding new people. An OWL match is going on. If you throw it up on the front page of YouTube, that does a whole bit of good. That does a lot of good stuff yeah. for your brand as opposed to the front page on Twitch. It's exactly. positive, oh, but yes. the front page of YouTube has done wonders and gave millions of views to certain YouTube Absolutely. Users. People who go to YouTube are clicking on other things. They're going around. They're exploring stuff. They're falling down. That's the part of the culture. So are you guys expecting a bit of a viewer dip and then a rebound as they move to YouTube? Because that's what I... I think that would make a little bit of sense. I don't think there will be much of a difference. I think they've announced, at least for Overwatch, I think they've announced it in enough time. They've given people a week. You now know you it's on YouTube. Which, I mean, in the internet, what is yeah. a week? I mean, uh, yeah, eternity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're talking about CDL, I think, you know, Call of Duty League may have suffered. I think people expected it to be on Twitch. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, too. I, it's I, a I lot easier to embed YouTube videos on websites than it is Twitch clips. <laughs> without <laughs> I'll a tell doubt. you that from experience. Without a doubt. So, I, I think for Overwatch, I think they'll be okay, but I do also think that, you know, in terms of getting new viewers, YouTube might actually be a great move. How bad does this hurt Twitch? See, there's the thing. I'm not really sure who the biggest winner here is, but I think Twitch definitely loses out. And whether or not this move is the needle for them just by itself, when you look at all the streamers they've been losing over the past few months, it's going to start adding up. Yeah, I think that Twitch definitely has a bit of a talent drain problem at the moment, and this is probably the biggest piece of that puzzle. I disagree. I think that Twitch will be perfectly fine. However, I do think... For how long, though? 
for as long as people want to be content creators. It's, it's the same by, thing it, that YouTube has. It's owned by Amazon. They're not going to fold it. You yeah, know? they're not going to fold it. But the biggest thing is that when you see the growth happening in the Just Chatting ch- channel, yeah. and you see the growth happening with gaming-adjacent programming and content creators, Twitch will be perfectly fine. I will say this. This year was the first year that Twitch experienced uh, 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 less than a, than projected profits. So, you know, it, things may get a little bit hairy here for Twitch, but we want to hear from you. Who do you think is the biggest winner and loser in this exclusive deal? Connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. And when you do, make sure you use the hashtag XP on air. Coming up next on Checkpoint XP, we're going to check in with our social media followers and find out what game should our boss buy for the Switch. We're actually going to find out what game she bought for the Switch. That's coming up next on Checkpoint XP. Hey, this is Weird Beard with the Checkpoint XP Save the Date calendar, letting you know about the latest esports competitions to look forward to in the coming weeks. Overwatch League is gearing up to return. The first week of the third season will start February 8th with homestands in New York and Dallas. February 8th will also play host to the second week of the Call of Duty League. Eight teams will be descending on London for a single elimination bracket. This will be the first of 12 tournaments. The spring split of the League of Legends LCS is underway once again. This week's Monday night matches will feature FlyQuest versus Dignitas and Team Solo Mid versus Counter Logic Gaming. February 1st will mark the kickoff of the Rocket League Championship Series. Teams will be competing weekly until the regional championships at the end of March. February will play host to DreamHack Anaheim, which will bring us back to the world of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. That tournament will be running from February 21st through the 23rd. That same weekend will also play host to Frostbite 2020, welcoming Smash players from all over the country to Detroit, Michigan. As we look towards March, all eyes are on ESL 1 Los Angeles, marking the first Dota ESL major of the year. That's it for the Checkpoint XP Save the Day calendar, and remember, for all the latest in the world of esports, check out our website at CheckpointXP.com. This is Checkpoint XP. Esports and gaming radio. CheckpointXP.com. It's Checkpoint XP's social media question. Welcome back. Each week we ask you a question over social media. And we read your responses. It's Checkpoint XP. I want to thank everyone listening on Jack Sports Radio, 1010XL in Jacksonville, and ESPN Radio 99.3 FM in Fort Myers, Florida. Make sure you visit our website, CheckpointXP.com. Whether it's our podcast, our thoughts on the latest stories in video games or esports, or some Checkpoint XP merch, it all lives over at our website, CheckpointXP.com. You can also follow us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram so that you can respond to each week's social media question. This week, we were asking you what our boss, Leslie, should buy for her brand new Switch. So, Leslie, welcome to Checkpoint XP. I'm honored to be here, but I have one question for you. What's you that? Do that all in one breath. I no no. I, it, 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 there is there's clever breathing in there. Clever uh, breathing. clever breathing. Yes, it, it, you you almost don't notice it. Uh, anyway, so uh, you have recently bought a switch. I did. Is this your first gaming purchase, like ever? Like actual gaming purchase, not something I've done on my phone or whatever. Absolutely. Wow. wow. This is a good it's, entry point. It's it's a great entry point. The Nintendo Switch has a lot of games that are for everyone, anyone. Uh, So I'm excited to find out what you actually ended up picking up for your first game. We're not going to have you reveal it yet because... 
we put the question out to our social media followers uh, to ask them what they thought your first purchase should be. Hold on, you ain't even going to ask us, the people in the room? We're going to start with us because we're the most important people. (laughs) Obviously. So I I guess, Norris, you have put yourself on deck. You're first up to the plate. What do you think Leslie should buy for her first Switch game? All right, there's two games. One very straightforward where everyone should own Mario Kart. That's just point blank, period. Everyone should own. It. That's you a pretty just good have one. It, uh, yeah. uh, on deck, it's kind of like having wine. Even when you don't drink, you just have it for when people come over and stuff like that. Yeah, so I don't that's think important. This answer can get any more Norris. Shut <laughs> up! Leave me alone. But and Rick will agree with me on this. A game that I fell in love with over this year is called River City Girls. Oh, it's it's a it's a beat 'em up where you, as a high school girl and your best friend, you go around town beating up people looking for your boyfriends that got kidnapped. Perfect. It is so fun. (laughs) Me and my girlfriend beat it uh, over the course of like a week and she fell in love with it. All right. There you go. Uh, Robbie, what about you? What are your recommendations for Leslie to get for her first game? I'm going to go for a classic, man. You got to get Pokemon. You know, I think think the series right now is at a point where it's the most accessible that it's ever been. And what's great about Pokemon 2 is, you know, especially for your first game, you're going to create memories and connections with that game that are wholly unique to you. You know, the first Pokemon that you really connect with Word. will last you a lifetime. I mean, Nate here refuses to play the most recent one because his Pokemon isn't in it My yet. favorite Pokemon isn't in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, weird beard. Got to get your recommendation. I think there was an entire generation of kids that entered into gaming thanks to Super Mario 64 on the N64. Oh, facts. The Switch version, which is what you need to get, is Mario Odyssey. You'll be able to sink hours and hours upon it, and it's just one of those, like, moments where you sit back and you go, this is what gaming is This is, is like. video yeah. games. Absolutely. I think these are excellent recommendations. Nate, don't say Dark Souls. Uh, well, <laughs> you actually stole it. I was going to say Dark Souls. <laughs> Throw you in the deep end as quickly as possible. But no, no. For a serious recommendation, I do think Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, while it does have an incredibly high skill ceiling, it's also a very accessible game. Nintendo went out of their way to make sure that it's something that's understandable and accessible to even someone who's picking up their controller for the very first time and almost everyone who owns a switch owns a copy of super uh, smash brothers like ultimate 70 or 80 percent exactly adoption rate. exactly so you ever meet anyone else with a switch you are almost guaranteed to be able to play a game with them so uh, there you go. There's our internal recommendations for the first game that you should buy on the Switch. But before we have you reveal what game you actually bought, we're going to throw it on over to social media and find out what they were saying. All right. Well, Producer Joe Boom, says, Producer Joe. Link's Awakening. This is, a great, this is a great suggestion. Because Link's Awakening was made at a time, you know, uh, the original Game Boy, the gameplay is a lot more simplistic. The straightforward. Gra- it's it's straightforward. The graphics are gorgeous. The remake is phenomenal. The music is still fantastic. I think that that's a all-around great suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frame Loss actually agrees with Weirdbeard over here. He says Mario Odyssey. It is the perfect Mario game. Great for first-timers. 
and it's adorable. Yeah, I think that that is a pretty good one. It's Mario in a tuxedo. You can't beat it. Yeah, I mean, you can't really go wrong. Mario's like the oldest uh, mascot in mm-hmm. gaming, uh, the most recognizable. Also another game that sounds great. Uh, sounds great, totally family-friendly. Mm-hmm. You can play it with anyone in any context, and you know that it's going to have content that's going to appeal to them. Absolutely wonderful recommendation. Uh, over on Twitter, uh, Mom and Dad, I don't know who's Mom and Dad. <laughs> oh, okay. But Mom and Dad says, Dr. Mario, I just uh, lost my mind playing that a few years ago. Uh, is hmm. Dr. Mario on you, the Switch? Yes. Or, oh, it's you a virtual have, console. Yes. Uh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. See, now that's actually, Leslie, that's something that, that uh, we didn't mention that we should absolutely mention, is that the virtual console is a great way to go back and kind of revisit some classic mm-hmm. games that maybe you missed when you were growing up or, uh, you know, the Super Nintendo just got added. So there's a lot of option in there. You can play a bunch of uh, uh, Yoshi's Island and just be totally... I love Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's yeah. Island. Uh, 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 Tetris 99 is another yeah. really good one, really accessible. You, you guys remember in Civil War when Cap had the list of all the games, he or like all the stuff he has to check out being frozen? I feel like Leslie needs that list of all the games, <laughs> all the games <laughs> that she has to check out. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I love it. Uh, the Weekly Uprising podcast says uh, Kirby Star Allies has a learning curve, as does Mario Kart, Super Mario Odyssey 2, for that matter. But most first-party Nintendo is great stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that that, yeah, that, that definitely scans. Nintendo goes out of their way to make their products so family-friendly and so accessible that, yeah, I really think that anything with the Nintendo stamp on it is uh, is probably really good uh, first-game fodder. Mm-hmm. Tyler also over on Twitter says, let's take it simple and easy. Stardew Valley and then go to Mario Kart. Yes, Yes, Stardew Valley. So Stardew Valley, if if you are unfamiliar, is literally like a farming simulator made in an anime style. It's really cute. You have a little house. You don't kill anything. You don't kill anything. You clear land. You plant your plants. You date people. You you get to know the other the other uh, other villagers. Yeah, Yeah. it's wonderful. It's It's, so great. It it was an indie game made by one person Mm -hmm. uh, and has now gone on to make ten million dollars. So I think that that's amazing. It is come time to find out the big reveal. Yes, we need to know what is the game that you ended up purchasing on your Nintendo Switch. So I did not go with. Awakening, did I? But I did go with Legends of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, yes, yes. Such a good game. Which, a by, game the way, by the way, that no one suggested. Uh, yeah, well, wrong. Actually, the most suggested game Ravmall, Big Deer 87, Tim B, Colin Peter, Kevin Finger Jones, and Bill. Okay, None of All us agreed. in the room. You just chose not to read any of those. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank, them back. thank you so much, Leslie, for uh, joining us and uh, and revealing your very first Switch you know purchase. You know what we should do? We should loop back in, Leslie, in a few weeks and, and see how you're doing. Absolutely. Well, I, I died fairly quickly my first run. <laughs> you know, the thing is, if you're not in this, like you're new to this and new to all the controls it's just the coolest thing ever to be able to go around and have your guy standing there and then have like, you know, being able to look around behind him and, and just oh, yeah. explore and just explore like I'm, yeah, I find myself sitting there going 
this is so cool. I don't want to. I don't want to go yet. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank but you so much, you. Leslie, for uh, joining us today. That's going to be it for Checkpoint XP. Remember to follow us on social media: Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, and Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. Thanks for joining us for Checkpoint XP. For more info on the show, links to articles, and the Checkpoint XP podcast, then head on over to CheckpointXP.com. Make note of when you're catching us on your local radio station like WXSM Tri-Cities, Tennessee, as well as ESPN Phoenix 620. And remember to come back next week for more video game news and discussion. Checkpoint XP is a production of Beasley Esports XP. I want to thank my crew, lead segment producing by Norris Howard, producing and booking help from Chad Callahan, presidential defense reading by Weird Beard, <laughs> and of course my co-host, Robbie Landis and Norris Howard. My name's A. Bender. Keep listening.